0: Life Church Buffalo, how are you? Oh, can we try that again? Good morning, Life Church Buffalo. How are you? All right. So, you know, I like to have interaction, and uh, today as we go through the message, feel free to respond. Okay? Feel free to be interactive. I love a two-way street. So here we are, Independence Day weekend, right? As Carol so uh, wonderfully pointed out, it's great to be in America. It's great because we are independent, right? I often think this weekend about our relationship with God in being independent. And sometimes, you know, I think about those who don't know the Lord, and I think, hmm, they really are independent from God. And then I wonder in my own walk, with the Lord, are there times where I'm being independent from God? And so before we get into the message today, I just want to talk real quickly about three different types of relationships. One is the independent one, away from God. And if you think about this, we have this in our lives too, maybe with our spouses or our friends or some of our family members, where we're just independent. Particularly us control freaks like to be independent. We like to decide everything. We are autonomous. We want to maintain total control. Right? Come on now, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay? I know. Knock not. Who's there? Control free. Okay. me say control free too. Cool. <laughs> cool. Did you get it? See? <clears throat> Okay, so I want to encourage you this morning to think a little bit about something differently. And the last time I spoke, I put up a slide about the Erie Basin Marina. And I said, when you change the things you look at, the things you look at change. And so this morning, as we think about these relationships, and how we interact with God, and how God interacts with us, and how we interact with each other, I want you to consider changing the way you have traditionally looked at it. And perhaps the things you look at will change in a good way. Okay? And, and, and we pointed out that when you look at this, you first see the Erie Basin Marina and the wonderful Queen City of Buffalo behind it, which is doing wonderfully right now. Recently, voted the number one city in America to visit. How about that, huh? Well, some of us don't even really take that in. We just don't believe it. We've been downtrodden for so many years, we don't believe it. But trust me, the city's awesome. Um, but really, that Airbus marina is shaped in the shape of a bubble by design. And we miss that sometimes. So when you change the things you look at, the things you look at change. And so rather than looking at this independent relationship as we celebrate Independence Day as a nation, I want to challenge you that in your relationship with God to think about more of a dependent relationship. Because that's that's what we say when we become Christians. Depend on God. I don't know about you, but that's pretty hard sometimes. Pretty hard. Because we want to be independent. And we hear the phrase, let go and let God, right? Let go and let God. And so be dependent on God. I I even want to change your thinking there. I want to challenge you this morning to consider a relationship that God loves you more than wanting a dependent relationship out of you. Folks, God loves you so much, he does not want you to just be solely dependent on him. He wants an interdependent relationship with us. Pastor Craig has so wonderfully pointed this out in recent weeks. If you haven't caught it, I have. And I'm gonna give it to you, ready? He wants a partnership with us. Wrap your brain around that for a second, and then see if your heart doesn't tag along. Jesus wants a partnership with us. And so this is what I want us to consider as we drill down on what Pastor Pete has begun to talk about in a series of which I'm going to continue this morning with you, called Where is God? Where is God? And if we're supposed to have an interdependent relationship with God, we would think our communication with God would be a two-way street, right? Right. A little back and forth. A little, I pray to God, maybe God speaks to me. Maybe I pray to God, He speaks to me. I don't know about you folks, but sometimes when I pray, I did nothing. Silence. Nothing. We're going through a hard time. Lord help me please. Nothing. Silence. You know, silence is powerful. It's powerful. I'm in the sales business, and I don't like to say that because really what I do is I serve my clients, not sell them. But one of the things that I learned is that when you ask a question, you need to shut up. You need yourself to be silent. And what I've learned is that as i practice practiced that over the years, no more than seven seconds will go by before I elicit any type of response. And it's not the response I want, it's it's a response, so I know how to serve. But if I keep talking, I don't get it. So I use silence. Have some of you used silence in your relationships? Come on now, some of you marriages, you get into a little tiff, and you, Shut down! Come on now! Come on! Raise your hand! Come on! You're all liars! Liars! (laughs) You know you do it. It's referred to as the silent treatment. Okay? The silent treatment is powerful. It's powerful. You know. I feel like God's given me that stiff arm and the silent treatment. Where is God? Where is he? I feel like sometimes like Adele. Hello? Right now my wife's saying, don't do that <laughs> You know. I think as we get through this message, you're going to see that sometimes God may seem silent, but He's not. And 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 you know, have have you ever fallen asleep praying? You know, (laughs) I wonder sometimes. You know, when I'm praying, has God fallen asleep on me? Because I don't hear anything. I don't even hear hear snoring. You're like, hello? You know, I want to encourage us, if you're in that place, to listen to a guy who was struggling. And the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 121, verses 1 through 4. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God does not sleep on us, folks. God does not give us the silent treatment. We might think that way, but when we change the things we look at, the things we look at change. When we get into a real interdependent relationship with God, we will realize that God is not giving us the signature. So if you're struggling today and you're wondering why hasn't God answered my prayers, stick with me. If you're in a tough financial position, and you're praying for the Lord to bestow blessing on you and it hasn't come, stick with me. If you're hoping to maybe have a child and you've been praying and it hasn't been happening, stick with me. I've got a word for you this morning. If you are trying to sell your house and it's not selling, well, that you might have the wrong (laughs) realtor. He's now. And um, there was a teenager about 17 years of old of, of age, who I think felt like God was giving him the silent dream. And he's he, there's a story about him in the Bible. His name is Joseph. Okay, and Joseph, you know, he was this. He, can, can I give you about just kind of tell you about his life? So it's going to take about five minutes. Is that be okay? Hello. Yes. Yeah. Not getting silent from you, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. So here, here's the story of Joseph. He, he's 17. He's got 10 older brothers. Okay. That was tough for us to relate to. 10 older brothers, and he's the 11th of, of 12. So he's kind of the baby. All right. Now, you, you know what happens here, folks, is when, when you're that, you know, down that far in the lineage of one generation, you know, you, you kind of can do what you want, you know? You get treated a little differently than the first and second born did, okay? You know? And by that time, the parents, you know, they maybe didn't care, you know? That was the little baby. Give them this, give them that, let them do this, let them do that, right? They weren't so critical and so hard on it. And his older brothers didn't like it. You know, his father, Jacob, kind of favored him. You know, gave him this special coat of many colors. Right? And he was privileged. And Joseph, you know, God was speaking to him. He was speaking to him at this time. Young kid, right? And, and, and he was speaking to him mostly in dreams. So Joseph had this dream and his brothers kept picking on. They were like, dude, why do you get favored so much all the time? They would pick on him like like older brothers can do. And I know, because I'm the youngest brother. (laughs) Man, he had this dream that that God was going to lift him up, and that he was going to be the ruler of a great nation, and that someday his brothers would bow to him, and he would be in charge, (laughs) Right? So you know what he did with his dream? He went, he went, he told his brothers. <laughs> hey, I had this dream, this was going to happen. How do you think that worked out? <laughs> let me tell you, that didn't work out too good, right? It did not work out too good at all. So Joseph's brothers, when they are way out in the distant field, and Jacob says to, Jacob, his father says to Joseph, hey, hey, go out and, 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 and get, get your brothers. They're, they're, they're out on the far east field or far west field or whatever it was, it was out there. So Joseph treks along and he goes. His brothers all of a sudden, they see him in the distance and Joseph's called, hey guys! You know, and, and his brothers, is that Joseph? Yeah, that's him. Man, I can't stand this kid, What is with this dude, you know, it's this guy, man, he just, get, let's just take him out. Let's just kill him. Let's get rid of this kid. We're waiting, nobody's gonna know. so tired of this kid. Dad just, you know, favors him. It's ridiculous. So Joseph comes up and he thinks he's gonna be the first. Hey guys, yeah, yeah, dad yeah, wants me to catch you, you know? And uh they grab him. And they start dragging him away. And they pull his coat off and they and then and and, and 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 they stick him down into a well, into a pit. And they're like, guys, what are you doing? down there. And he's down in the pit. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Do you think Joseph prayed to God when he was down in the pit? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But all he got was silence. And then one of the brothers says, hey, we were learning. Wow. How we are you going to kill him? There's some Ishmaelites coming up the road right now. We could can, we can sell him off and get some money out of this. He'll be taken off to Egypt or somewhere else, and he'll just be gone missing. We'll make some money. So they go ahead and they, they put the rope down there. Now, what do you think, Jacob? Uh, Joseph's thinking. Ah, God, you're answering my prayers. Oh, yeah, thank you. And he climbs up out of the pit, and they grab him. And they take him, and they give him to the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites start grabbing him, and they take him, and they're dragging him in shackles through the desert. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think at that point, Joseph prayed to God, silence. And so they get to Egypt and they put him on the block. I wish this things could stand up. Here we go. Ready? They put him on the block. <laughs> and it's all tied up. And he's on the block to be sold. He's going to be sold. And he's on that block, you think he's praying? Silence. They start bidding on. They start bidding on him. And this guy, Potiphar, he wins. He wins the auction. And Potiphar pays 20 shekels for him. That's it, 20 shekels, Okay, little pile of silver. And they drag him off to Egypt and put him in Potiphar's house as a slave now. He's a slave for life. Now, here he is. He's in a distant land. He's a different language, doesn't know the language, doesn't know anybody. Kid at 17, who had the coat of many colors, and he was the privileged one. And he gets put into a pit, he gets dragged out and sold, he gets sold into slavery at Potiphar's house, and he's, 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 in, a, he's in, in this place. Now let me ask you a question do you, do you think Joseph prayed at that point? Yes. Silence. Then one day, he he dealt with it, by the way, he dealt with it pretty well, in fact, he worked himself up to vice president of the slaves. He was the vice president of the slaves. He was number two in the household of Potiphar, who was in very good situation, okay? Number two. And then one day, Potiphar's wife, she must have been a hottie or something. because She comes in, you know, sees Joseph, she finally gets him alone. Now Joseph, he was a young stud, OK? He, this guy, he, 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 he was something to have, right? So, so Potiphar's wife gets him alone and comes on to him. And, 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 and let me ask you a question. Do you think Joseph started to pray at that point? Yes. <laughs> You the very God who was silent with him when he was in the bottom of the pit, when he was being dragged across the desert, when he was on the, the, the selling block to get sold into slavery for the rest of his life in a foreign land with a language he didn't understand and nobody he knew, he decides to honor his God still. And he flees. And he runs away. The only thing is, is he's got his coat. That's a problem, because now Potiphar's wife decides to spin it, okay? And this was not a no-spin zone, this is something that Potiphar's wife took and went back to Potiphar and said, look, this kid came on to me, and he abused me, and he raped me. And so they put him in prison. Let me ask you a question. You think Joseph prayed when he got to prison? Yeah. So it sounds like God's not really listening. God's giving him the old stiff off, right? And he's in prison. Guys, I don't know about you, but if I was that faithful and I was honoring my Lord after I was sold into slavery and. was thrown into the bottom of a pit and dragged across the desert and then framed for rape and put in prison, I'm not so sure I would be praying out to God anymore. And if it was, it would be like, (laughs) you don't even want to know. I mean, come on. This guy was at a place. Now he's in prison. And all of a sudden, a little while later, and I'm saying a little while, this isn't a couple of days, it's probably years later, okay? The Pharaoh, the king, gets upset with a couple of his staff. And he sends them to prison for a A cupbearer and a baker. And they have these dreams, and they're talking about their dreams. And Joseph says, Oh, wait a minute, I, I know a I little stuff about dreams. That's so what they say. You do, you do. So they tell him, and it's, yeah, well, this, is, this is what your dream means. And uh, he looked at the baker and he said, uh, I'm not so sure. You want me to tell you what your dream's about? Because in about three days, you're gonna get your head chopped off. And that's your story. But you, Cupbearer, you're gonna get restored to a place in the kingdom. So just be patient. It's coming. Whoa, wait, wait, wait! Do, please, please, please! I, I told you what the dreams meant. Do me favor, please. When you get restored, please, please tell the king that I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything. I did nothing wrong. Please remember me. Tell him about me. I, I shouldn't be here. Just, oh, absolutely! Thank you so much thank you, I will tell the king. I will tell him. And so, a few days go by, and Kaveri goes back, and he doesn't tell the king. Now, let me ask you a question. At that point, do you think that Joseph was still praying? Yes. Do you think that Joseph was thinking that God was going to find him? meet him, that God was going to finally save him from this predicament, that just kept happening over and over and over and over again. Well, it did. It did. Two years, sorry, two years went by. That's not my fault. That's Logan's. (laughs) Love you, love you, Logan. <laughs> Two years went by before anything happened. And then the king, now, started having a dream. And he didn't know what it was. And they're talking, and the cupbearer had gotten restored to such high level on the staff that he was in the inner circle of hearing this. And he said, Whoa, whoa wait a minute. Oh my gosh, I, I know somebody that knows something about dreams. That guy Joseph down in the prison, he, he told me that I was going to get restored, and this guy knows what he's talking about. So they go and they get Joseph, and they clean him up, and they bring him before the bring him before the king, and, and he comes up, and he, and, 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 he, and he says, here's my dream, I didn't interpret that? he says, well, I'll tell you, you're going to have seven years of harvest, and it's going to be plentiful, it's going to be overwhelming, and you're going to be bestowed with blessing upon blessing. But then right after that, you're gonna have seven years of famine. So, he, he this, is, this is kind of what Joseph did. He, he, he was confident, you know, or, or, or sometimes he was a little bit naive and, and he didn't know was before the king, he got a little bold and he was like, he, 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 he said, but here's what I think you should do. I think you should find somebody who's really, really good at managing all of the blessings. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that way, each year when the blessings come in, they can hold back 20%. And so when the famine comes, we can get through it. We can get through it. And so the Pharaoh in Genesis 41, says, Pharaoh says to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. God finally listened. He finally listened. And I don't I don't know about you, but as you are going through your struggles, you might seem like you're in a season of silence. But really what's going on is God is putting you in a season of preparation a season of staging. let me me, me, me put it this way. You ever been to a play? You know, you have act one, then you have intermission, and act two, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you you guys know what this is, right? The Holly Bibble? (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Holy Bible, right? The Bible, right? And and, and the Bible actually is written like a play. It, 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 It really is. And so it's written in two acts. The first act is called the Old Testament. And so the second act is called the New Testament. Come on, come on. The, the, new, the New Testament. Right? Okay? And then, um, but, but where's the intermission? The intermission is right here between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the first act and the second act. There's the intermission, see it right here, guys? The, that's the blank page. If you look in your holly Bible between the two, you'll see it too, okay? There's an intermission that happens, and when you're at a play, and the act one ends, the curtain closes. And although you can't see what's going on behind the stage, there is something going on, there's a restaging in preparation for act two. You see, Joseph began to realize this in his seasons of silence. And he remained faithful, forging his faith forward to allow God to prepare him and work in him in a way that he was ready to rule the kingdom. Okay. So I'm telling you folks, when you're in your season of silence, remain faithful. God is not silent. And so when I realized this, I was bammed with something that I want to bam you with. Can I do that? Yes. Yes. That wasn't emphatic enough for me. Yes. Can I do that? Yes. yes. All right. You ready to be banned? Yes. yes. All right. Here it is. Ready? Don't mistake God's silence for His absence. Do not mistake His silence for His absence. God is never absent. Amen. He's never absent. Now. There's a lot of things that happen on this blank page. And so now is the time in the service where we switch away from the sermon and we get into a history lesson. I tricked you all. So who wants to hear history right now? Oh, too bad. You're in church and I got the mic, so you're going to hear it. You ready? Allow me to go through this, because you're going to learn four things as we go through this little history lesson And and listen, if you're here and you're you're not a Christian and you don't believe in the Bible, that's okay. That's okay, because what I'm gonna go over right now, it's not even in the Bible. It's factual, historical truth. So you have to, you have to believe it. It's fact, it's fact, okay? So it's totally okay. So when Malachi, the last word of the Old Testament, the ending of Act One, was written by Malachi. Malachi is a prophet. Now prophet is someone who God spoke to and then the and then he spoke to the people. And that's that's how God talked to people. That's how God communicated through the prophets. Right? And so when when Malachi put his pen down for the last time God's people did not hear from him. For hundred years plus. So when you're not hearing from God, remember don't mistake that silence for His absence. Because what I'm about to go through with you is something that hopefully will encourage you to realize this truth. Now, in about 430 B.C. there was this guy called Philip of Macedon. And he was a pretty radical dude at the time, and they were being ruled by the Persians. The Persians really ruled this large territory. They were the they were like they were the main rulers of the planet. Okay? And and so Philip of Macedon being being a Greek, he Macedon, by the way, in Macedonia is, is in, in the area where now Greece is. Okay, this is where Greece is. So what he did is he united all of the Greek islands and all of the territory, and he united them into, into one area, okay? And, and you might not remember Philip of Macedonia, I understand, okay? We, we can for, forget history, but, but his son, you probably remember. You probably remember. His son was probably the greatest military leader ever, arguably ever, and his name was Alexander the Great. And and Alexander the Great, at 20 years old, organized the Grecian army to take over the Persians and grow the Grecian land, okay? At 20 years old. This dude was radical, he knew his stuff. But he he had a couple demons, you know. He had a couple demons because by the age 33, he died. What they say is from from too much drinking, okay? So, So he died. But you know, he did one thing that impacts all of our lives today. a decree to go out along all of the land that they had conquered, that there would be one language to be spoken. Koine Koine Greek, okay? Koine Greek would be the language. And he unified the language. And that, and that impacts us today. Kind of like, you know, we go to the Olympics, the main language is English. I don't know if you guys know that. You can go to many parts of the world, and people know English. You guys are going to go to India, are there people there that know English? Right? I'm just stabbing at that. I took that right out of my pocket. I didn't plan that. I'm hoping that you're saying that most people speak English. Okay, but it's that common. And, and, and that's what Alexander the Great did. He laid that down. And then, and then and a little while later, okay, about 264 BC, up in Egypt, there were the, there, there were the people ruling up there called the Tomes, and, and, and they did something very, very interesting. They took the Old Testament, Act 1, and they hired 70 Jewish scholars to rewrite and not rewrite, but to translate the Old Testament from Hebrew into, what do you think? Aramaic. No, Koine Greek. Greek. Okay, Koine Greek. And then when the New Testament was written, it was written in Koine Greek. You know, interestingly enough, because Jesus spoke Aramaic and Hebrew, not Koine Greek. Okay? Remember, this is still the history lesson, we're, we're, we're on the we're on, we're on intermission page here, the blank page. This is what's going on over these 400 years. And so a little while later, about 63 BC, there was another, and, and, and this was like empires were coming up and rising and falling, and nations, this is what was going on for, 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 through these years. But these are the significant things that were happening while the curtain was closed. And, and about 63 BC, the, the, there was another empire that began to rise. One of the greatest empires ever. You, you guys know what that one is? Roman. The, the Roman Empire. Okay? And, and it was about, you know, by, by the time that uh, 63 came, they really rose to power. And then, and then, and then they did two really, really significant things. I'm not sure they knew what they were doing, but God did. (laughs) Very, very interestingly enough, the Romans did two things that impact us today. The first is they initiated in 27 BC. They initiated this law in the land called, a Latin word called Pax Romana. And Pax Romana means military peace, okay? And and, and so they said, all throughout the land that they had conquered, which was very vast at this time, there would be military peace, no more rising and fighting of nations. No more of this are done. And that lasted for 200 years. Pax Romana in the land. And then, and then, and then, Folks, keep in mind this is only two decades, two decades b- before Christ was born. Okay? They, 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 they said no, no more fighting, and then th- they were doing this at the same time, which, which which impacts us today. They instituted. What are they most famous for? B- building the roads, right? The Romans, the Roman roads. You guys, heard of that? They put and built. Took years to do it, but they built an elaborate transportation system. And they did that initially so that they could go out and conquer other nations and bring back all of their goods. Okay? But they built this elaborate transportation system. And folks, if you were living at that time, you were living, and you knew God, you were living in a season of silence. Because no one heard from God. The curtain was closed. It was closed. Nothing. A silent tree. But I assure you, what was going on behind the curtain, man, it was powerful. Powerful because here's what was going on behind the curtain. Alexander the Great, a pagan, he decides, I want one language in all the land, Koine Greek. Then all of a sudden, another pagan nation, the Ptolemies up in Egypt, they decide they're gonna hire 70 Jewish scholars to create the Septuagint. That means 70. And and, 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 and they were gonna put that in Koine Greek. And then, And then all of a sudden the Romans rise to power and the Romans decide that they're gonna build this elaborate road system and they're gonna declare Pacta Romana. And you know what? That was all done for the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, folks. True. Okay. So when you think God is absent, don't mis- or silent, Don't mistake it for His absence. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourselves. Don't do it for the people around you, and don't do it for our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you. Joseph got to a point where he realized this. He came to that conclusion where he realized he ought not mistake. God's silence for his absence and in Genesis 45 he comes to power and it recalls an account here now remember Joseph and all the brothers trying to kill him selling him off now he's in power if you were in that situation and your brothers came back would you have a little bit of vengeance in your heart? Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Liars. You'd have a lot of vengeance, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'll tell you what, man. This is this is amazing, amazing scripture right here. Genesis 45 verses 4 through 8. And Joseph said to his brothers, "Please come near me. Come near so you can see who I am. Come near." They said. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, but now do not therefore be grieved and angry with yourselves. How do you be like, I wanna tell you that I'm not angry with you, but he's already beyond that. He's telling them not to be angry with themselves. Man, that's, that's, that's powerful. Because you sold me here. For God sent me, for for God sent me, wait a minute. For God sent, sent me, I thought it was his brothers who sent me. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity to you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Amen for that story, Uh huh? You know, I could think of a time in my life When I was going through a season of silence, and I didn't handle it too well, and the curtain was absolutely closed, and, I, 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 and it was about a six year period actually. It seemed like a little bit more than a season, it seemed like 24 seasons. And I was lonely, I became angry, I was depressed. I didn't even know if I wanted to live anymore. I had murder in my heart. D- don't, don't I- I'm not, I-, I wouldn't understand. I had murder in my heart. I had plans to murder. I was far from God, but He, was not far from me. And I was going through a season of silence. Till one day, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And it was at the point where I could no longer control it. I couldn't be the independent son of God anymore. And so I decided I'm either going to end it or I'm going to give it back to God. And I supplicated. What that means is getting down, face down, physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, psychologically, any which way you can even come up with a term, human, is to put it down before God and I got on my knees and I wailed out to God and fortunately for me at that point God decided not to be silent anymore because had he I don't know what would happen but I woke up I don't know how it happened and I was sitting now on an ottoman at the end of my bed with a cell phone in my hand dialing someone's number who I need to speak to that I wanted to pretty much murder. And from there my life changed. From there my family was restored. From there My relationship went from an independent one with God to a dependent one, and I'm learning how to make it an interdependent one. Because he loves me so much that he wants me to participate. He doesn't want me to be a robot. He wants us to execute our faith. You know, the greatest season of silence that ever took place was from Jesus himself. On the last Friday that he lived on the planet, he said, why has God forsaken me? And he didn't get an answer, and he was put on the cross, and he was crucified, and he took his lifeless body, and they shoved it into the tomb, and they rolled that big stone over and it. And then there was nothing. Nothing. Not a word. God didn't speak. No angel came. The curtain was closed, looked. It was only in inter- so, on Saturday, it was silent. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in a Saturday moment, hang in there, hang in there. God is not absent from you. God is not absent from you. It might be Saturday for you right now in your life. You might be struggling because you're praying hard for a loved one to get healed from cancer. Or you're struggling with an addiction that just keeps beating you down and you can't overcome and you've lost your confidence and you're depressed. Or you're in financial turmoil and you need deliverance from it. If you're in a Saturday moment, I'm here to tell you folks, and you already know it, Sunday is a coming. Exactly. Sunday is coming. Yeah. Hang in. There. I encourage you to consider Jesus.